G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to talk about our workplace. You might have been out of your workplace. You might be freshly back into your workplace. I wonder whether things look the same today as they did before. A lot of workplaces will disappear. They will not be anymore. One of the biggest shockwaves in all of our lives may be what has happened to you or to others in your workplace as the consequences of COVID-19 crisis continue. So many are thankful for a soft fall that came with the JobKeeper package from the government, but not everyone was the beneficiary of that, and many businesses won't survive the lockdown with lots of employees likely to lose their jobs when we emerge beyond September. Now, as restrictions ease, many of us are returning to work for the start of what we've been talking about as the new normal. Well, today we'll explore the post-COVID workplace and how we might think Christians respond following the shock waves through our economy and our workplace. And there's another dimension of recovery we would hope to touch on too, and perhaps a little later in our conversation, around the idea of a post-COVID return to church. There are all sorts of dimensions that interest Christians, aren't there? Well, our special guest over this next hour, Andrew Laird. Andrew works with City Bible Forum in Melbourne. He's the national manager of lifeatwork.org.au, an initiative aimed at connecting Christian faith with our daily work. He's also the author of the book called Under Pressure, How the Gospel Helps Us Handle the Pressures of Daily Work. So a special welcome along to 2020 to you, Andrew Laird. Thanks uh, for having me, Neil. Andrew, let's come first of all to these shockwaves that are going through our workplaces. Mm. Uh, I'm asking listeners today, do you think your workplace after the COVID-19 crisis will look the same as before? Uh, Give us your insights into some of the shockwaves we are experiencing. Yeah, well, you're not wrong in in describing it like that, Neil. Um, A a few weeks back now, I read one one, summary report that that described uh, what uh, what many of us have been through the last two and a half, three months is the the, the quote was the biggest shakeup of the Australian workplace since World War Two, which uh, which sounds like a big claim, but as you begin to unpack it a little bit and think about what some of the things that we've been through uh, these last two and a half, three months for many of us, uh, it, it's perhaps not a perhaps not quite as much of an overstatement as it might initially seem. I mean, you think about the the mad scramble that many workplaces went through to uh, to move to, uh, from working in in offices or factories or wherever to uh, to many uh, being out of work uh, and and many uh, working from home and uh, and all of the associated uh, positives and negatives with that um, and then of course the 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 mad scramble as well to well how do we keep in touch with one another, how do we communicate and uh, and in many ways a, a lot of workplaces having to uh, 
uh, embrace new technologies and, and do things that they might have been resistant to previously that has, uh, that has really shaken things up. And now many are asking questions of, well, to what degree that uh, things have been shook up? Should, should we retain some of that or, 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 or lose some of that? I'll share with you just briefly a, a very funny little uh, uh, meme that I saw doing, doing the rounds very early in this whole thing. And uh, it, it, had at the, it had at the top the question, who led the digital transformation of your company? Was it uh, A, the CEO, uh, B, the, the chief technology officer, or C, COVID-19? <laughs> uh, with COVID-19 with a big circle around it. And um, look, I, 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 I th- as speaking with many people, I think, um, I think that's been true for them. It's certainly been true for me with my, uh, my organisation that COVID-19 has forced us to at least digitally transform uh, very, very rapidly and very, very quickly. Yes. Well, a really powerful point uh, that this little virus has made this major upset, uh, sent this shockwave through our workplaces, dismantled many workplaces, and it will take a lot of CEOs back to uh, forming new foundations. Now, this is a little preempted to where our discussion will go. Handling this transition back. Now, this is... I guess you could say here puts us in a moment in time where we might be able to discern the time that we're in. And so handling this transition back uh, in a way that's distinctive and as Christian believers in the mix here, being salt and light into a situation like this, what are your thoughts around being a Christian and, and being excited about the new transition, new changes that might take place in our workplaces? What are your thoughts here, Andrew? Yeah, well, look, I've given, given it some thought in terms of just trying to, uh, well, for a moment, maybe just summarise, I guess, some of the conversations that are happening now and the issues that, that CEOs, and really from, from the top to the bottom of workplaces, are, are wrestling with. And there is that whole work-home balance. Um, to, to what degree do we need everyone back in their workplaces um, all of the time, and particularly so many people having spoken about some of the things that they have appreciated and enjoyed, um, certainly from certainly families, um, that the balance between family and a home that, sorry, family and work that they've been able to enjoy in this. I mean, I, I'll give you a quick just example from my own life just this morning. You know, I had a, had a 7.30 uh, meeting, which I, which I did uh, in my bedroom on Zoom, uh, which is where my, I've set up my, uh, my home office these last couple of months, able to do that meeting and then step out of the bedroom, help with the family getting out of the door for school for the day and then return back to, re, back to work. And so those sort of things which many people have been enjoying and appreciating uh, are feeling like, well, do, you know, do we, do we really want to lose, lose all of that? But then there's the other challenges that CEOs are, uh, are working through now and, and others in organisations have just simply how do we get people to the workplace and public transport and the need to social distance. And then when we get people to workplaces, um, how do we move them around the office uh, with, the, with the social distancing uh, restrictions? How do we you know, move people around lifts? and office kitchens and, and, and what about hot desking? Many say that this will be the end of, of hot desking for those offices that have done that previously. And then, of course, as I mentioned a, a, a moment ago, the, the technology changes um, and, and many of them um, for good. I've spoken to a number of people, and this is true for me in my organisation as well too, that we have felt actually communication uh, within 
certainly national organisations or where there's teams that are in different parts of the country has actually improved in this season. Um, and so that's something we're not wanting to lose. So there's, there's all, these are all of the kind of issues that are, that are being wrestled with at the moment. And, and as you said in your, your question there, how do, we, how do we respond to that as a, as a Christian? I think we can probably unpack a, a, a number of different uh, ways forward there. Well, interesting, isn't it, that change is here. It's not coming, it's already here. And uh, I know some listeners will be thinking, wow, wouldn't that be great? I'd like to be like Andrew too, just throw down the doona and do your first Zoom meeting of the day. (laughs) Then some will say, pull the doona back up again. And you're in Melbourne. I'm just uh, mindful of that, but uh, been pretty cool down your way. That might be a tempting thing to pull the doona back over after your first Zoom meeting of the day. That's one of the downsides, isn't it? Because sustaining this idea of being productive in your workplace uh, is going to be a challenge here because when you are on your own and there's less accountability, sometimes the temptation is going to be to pull the doona back up. That That's definitely true and that's definitely a risk. I, I, I will just say, I, as a Melbourneian, I am very much enjoying not having to do the, the morning commute at the, <laughs> at the moment, yes. particularly. But, um, but yet, I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. Although, although one of the, the comments that I'm hearing uh, again and again, both from individuals I'm talking to and some of the some of the pieces that are being uh, editorial pieces that are being written around this, is that is that many workers have actually proven and, and demonstrated to their their workplaces, their managers, their bosses, their CEOs that that uh, business can keep going, uh, albeit from home. But but you you're right about that as a temptation. So certainly from a from a Christian perspective, that is one thing to be to be mindful of, um, guarding against uh, laziness um, and uh, and and really not not serving our boss and not doing uh, what we've been uh, given to do. But I think there are there are other um, there are other ways that Christians need to be preparing themselves to to navigate these changes. Um, can, and can mention can mention some of those with you now. All right, well, let's like. save that and we'll have a, take a short break and we'll come back and talk yeah. about those specific things that Christians can do now in their workplace as work is firing up again. Hibernation for a lot of businesses is over and uh, people are getting back to testing the waters. Things are looking different. Uh, there's a Facebook question I'm asking listeners to respond to and uh, looking for a few comments there. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Andrew Laird. He works with City Bible Forum and is National Manager of Life at Work. .org.au. It's an initiative aimed at connecting Christian faith with our daily work. And, Andrew, given that so many of us have very much of our identity uh, wrapped up in our work, and, of course, uh, I always like to talk about having our identity in Christ, to be able to manage those shocks that come when other issues around us crumble. But a lot of us have our identity at work in Christ, and there are going to be some things that we'll be able to contribute into our workplace that may well shape our workplace in a different way than what it was before. Let's talk about some of these Christian principles we might be able to apply. What what are your thoughts here? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we've just sort of unpacked some of the the, the radical change that's gone in place, but how does the faith actually impact here? And look, I've got five 
five principles, and I'm sure there are plenty more, and your listeners may, may be able to add some more to, the, to my five. But, but, but here they are. I'll, I'll mention it. I'll, I'll run through them all, and then we can maybe unpack some of them a little bit. But the five are be patient, be humble, be creative, be strategic but flexible, and be prayerful. I'll, I'll say them again. So be patient, be humble, be creative, be strategic but flexible, and be prayerful. And I, and I think those principles relate to whether you're the CEO or, or a junior employee. They, they have relevance. So, so for the first one, for example, be, being patient. Um, what we're going to be going through uh, is going to be, has already been, and will continue to be um, disruptive. And, uh, and there's going to be some colleagues who, who've loved the working from home and loved the balance of, 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 of work and family that they've been able to have in this season. Then there's going to be other colleagues of, of ours who are, um, who are um, just, just can't wait to get back into the office or where, wherever it is they work and, and be around their colleagues. And I think we just, we need to uh, have, have patience as we're as we're all moving uh, back into um, this new post-COVID workplace. So you, you might be familiar with the whole idea of reverse culture shock. You often speak about it in terms of uh, Christian missionaries that when they return from overseas, they uh, they experience what's known as reverse culture shock. And many of them say that sometimes that reverse culture shock coming home is almost uh, harder than the the original culture shock that they experienced. And, and I think to some degree we're all going to f- experience a, a degree of reverse culture shock as we, as we go back into our workplaces. And, and that's going to be harder for some people than others. And so we need to be the people who are being quick to be patient with our colleagues, especially those who might be finding the, the transition back, um, back difficult um, but, but, but another one is, um, is being, being humble and, and, being, and, and related to that, being, being loving. And that is um, uh, being quick to listen to what others have enjoyed or what others have found difficult about the past two to three months. And, uh, and being slow to thinking our way of going back is the best way of going back. Um, but being humble and being... Uh, loving and, and putting the needs and the interests of others before our own, whether that's uh, our, our colleagues, but for many it might also be our customers or our, our clients as well. They've, uh, they've been experiencing uh, business from us uh, in, in a different form and in a different fashion uh, in the last few months. And, and so we need to be uh, listening to them as well too. I mean, I'll give you an example from my, my local cafe uh, just across the road. He's had to like many cafes, just radically rethink how they did business the last two to three months. And uh, he's introduced a whole lot of different takeaway products that he hadn't had previously. And uh, I'm sort of thinking, well, actually, you know what? I hope you, I hope you keep doing some of that now. It was a necessity before. But, um, but you know, maybe, maybe it'd be customers like me would, would appreciate you, you continuing to do some of those things. So we need to uh, in addition to being patient, we also need to be loving and humble, uh, listening to our colleagues, listening to our customers, hearing what they liked, what they didn't like about this, a- and putting some of our own interests aside, perhaps, for the sake of the other. One thing appears absolutely obvious to me, and I'll get your thoughts here. 
But mm. coming back and resuming business, the customer is going to be absolutely primary because uh, you're going to be fighting for every dollar. And the way you fight for every dollar is obviously going to be so much in the way that you care for your customers. And customers are going to have a different approach too to your business. Uh, what are your thoughts here on, on the way as perhaps as a Christian business person, whether you are the boss or an employee, you have a certain image of your customer and how your customer care actually works there. And and somehow or other, all the things you're juggling behind the scenes have to present a front that can make your business acceptable to your customers. What are your thoughts here, Andrew? Yeah, well, let me give you just two illustrations from, from, from my own life from, from the weekend um, that, I, that I think are, are pertinent and in many ways uh, applications of this this being loving and considering the needs of the customers before your own, and uh, and in both instances, I must uh, must say these these employers weren't necessarily Christian, and, and and one's a one's a positive example and one's a negative one. But but I mentioned my cafe. I, uh, I I've tried to as a way of of, of loving my cafe uh, owner uh, through this season. I've I've mentioned to him that I'm praying for him as a Christian. Uh, and he's he's appreciated that and and valued that, but I've also tried to love him by by going over there and and, and buying a takeaway or whatever, and and spending a little bit more than I might ordinarily do to just try and help him a little bit during this season. And I was there on the weekend picking up some uh, some takeaway coffees uh, for the fa- for the family, and he made a mistake and forgot to put one of them through. And when when I when I realised, I said, hey. Paul, you need to uh, you need to charge me for this. Now's not the time to be uh, you know giving away a free coffee. And he refused. He said, No, 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 no. You know, you've been a, a loyal customer during this season. Uh, I made the mistake. Um, have the coffee on me. And I, I pushed back. I said, No, 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 no. This is not the time to be giving away free coffees. I know the tough you know time that you've been in. But he said, No, I insist. And look, you know, things, little things like that. Um, just leave me as a customer thinking, wow, you know, he is, uh, he has clearly got my interest before his own, even at a costly, even being costly for himself. So that's a, that's a positive example, um, of ways that we can, we can put the interest of others before our own. We had some friends, a, a negative one. We had some friends visiting, um, uh, on, on the weekend and, uh, and they were trying to book a lunch. Uh, at a at a cafe that's now that's now open and um, and they were trying to support a local business there and uh, and they rang up the cafe and the cafe said look sorry it, um, we're not taking any bookings for people who are bringing children and uh, because they were bringing a child with them and um, and it just left a really sour taste in, in in their mouth and and as we talked about it with them we said look we understand that you know the the cafe. They're, they've been doing it tough for you know so many months, and they recognise that an adult customer is going to obviously spend a lot more than a child customer. But you know what? You end up being left with a you know a sour taste, and you, you end up taking your business elsewhere. And, and we and we sympathised with that cafe and empathised with them, but we also said, gosh, you know the the, the challenge of also trying to show the customer that uh, that you do care about them and that you're putting their interests before your own, even in the midst of a, of a, of a difficult time. 
So, I mean, they're just li- just little examples. So this idea and what I can hear resonating in the sorts of things you're sharing here is this absolute essential idea of being a servant. Uh, and this yeah. is a servant, and we'll get we'll unpack this a little bit. You know, you've got a business serving customers and customers walking away with a smile on their face, and you've shared a story or two there, and, uh, you know, the idea that the customer might be actually disgruntled with the way that you serve. But but servanthood happens within the business environment too, doesn't it? From the CEO serving those who are the employees, but then the shoe is on the other foot too, the employees serving the vision of the business and uh, moving forward. So an interesting issue here about what it is to be a Christian and to have a attitude of servanthood even in our workplace. What are your thoughts here? Oh, look, you've summed it up wonderfully, Neil. I mean, service is, is, is really the word that, that sums up what I'm talking about here as we put the int- our own interests aside for the interests of, of others. And of course, uh, you know, when, you, when you're using words like that, it, you can't help but think of that, that wonderful passage in Philippians 2 of the example of Christ, who, who in the ultimate act of service puts his interests aside for the sake of, uh, of, of, of dying in, in our place. And so really, uh, the, 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 the motivation for us, the, the thing that is going to move us to these, these tremendous acts of costly service uh, is really going to be looking at the person of Jesus afresh and reminding ourselves of the, the tremendous act of service that he has done towards us. And it's as we meditate upon that and we, we look at that afresh, that that's what's going to move us to, um, to, to do costly things, and, um, but for the sake of the other. And, and I'm persuaded that actually when we, when we bring that attitude to our workplaces, um, that will be unmistakable. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I saw it in my cafe owner on the weekend just in a very small little way. And as we do that in small and in big ways through this season, um, our our colleagues, our clients, our customers, they are going to notice this. And my prayer and hope is that as they notice our, our, our heart of service, that that might actually prompt them to say, look, what drives you to put your interests aside for the sake of others? And it may give us reasons, uh, opportunities in this season to speak of the, the tremendous way that Christ has served us. You know, as we talk about the workplace and servanthood, and let's just talk from the employee perspective here for a few moments, because if you display this virtue of being a servant in your workplace, whether you have a Christian Mm. or a non-Christian boss, a huge statement is being made here, because your boss will notice if you are an effective servant to the customers and to your fellow employees and to the vision of the business. Being a servant here is a really powerful virtue, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And look, I think in the ro- long run, and I'm, I'm coming back to Philippians 2 here, I think in the long run, our service is, is honoured and rewarded. Um, perhaps, oftentimes, at an earthly level, in that, in that the boss does value uh, a worker that they, who they see 
putting the interests of the organisation and putting the interests of others before their own. And so while it might be costly in the short term, um, uh, longer term, I actually think service, uh, we, will, we, we will be rewarded for that. And even if we're not, uh, we know that we will be rewarded by, by God who will say of us, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And and really, isn't that the model that you have in Philippians 2, this tremendous act of service by Christ, that it finishes with, and therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And so service is seen by God as it is also seen by others, and it is often rewarded, if not in this lifetime, certainly, certainly by God. Andrew, you came up with five principles, and you said these are five principles that as Christians we ought to be thinking carefully about coming into the new normal in our workplace. You said be patient, be humble, be creative, be strategic but flexible, and be prayerful. Let me pick up here as we get things underway for this part of our conversation on this idea of being strategic. And uh, you might be thinking this is probably more targeted to the boss rather than the employees. It's usually the boss or the executive that sets up a strategy. It could be the board. But uh, being strategic but flexible and being prayerful. So for that Christian business owner here, a couple of these principles that you're talking about, how would you describe that way that you ought to be flexible around the strategy you might have? Yeah, look, I think having those two things together, the strategy and flexibility are are necessary. Um, um, Being strategic as a Christian is, is, is... is not a wrong thing. I mean, perhaps sometimes we might think we should we should sit back and just uh, let God uh, lead us where He leads us by His Spirit. And uh, but but you do see uh, certainly the apostles uh, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus Himself being very strategic in the ministry that they do and the work that they do. Uh, Paul makes plans, devises strategies, um, and so God has given us wisdom to to try and think about. How best do we use what we've got uh, in this uh, in this instance to to serve and 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 care for our our customers and clients and our employees? So so being strategic is is uh, is a good thing and and I think a God honouring thing, but it's got to be complemented by that flexibility. And uh, look, if there is one thing that these past two to three months has uh, has reminded us of very very starkly is that we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Yes. Um, so, so often we, we think we're in control of things, um, and yet these last couple of months has been a very stark reminder that uh, that is not the case. Uh, we don't know, as James says, what tomorrow holds. Um, and, so, and so we need to be flexible, both to how the, the Holy Spirit might guide or direct us in a, in a different direction than we might have planned, uh, but also just sitting loosely with our strategy, uh, rec- knowing that um, who knows what is around the corner, both for our for ourselves in terms of our health or whatever else it might be, or or or, or a global pandemic. Um, one thing, but just personally for me, that um, that I've been trying to to do more and more in, in light of this season is to to use the expression "God willing." Um, I was asked uh, a few weeks ago, you know, what's changed for you during COVID-19? And I, I said, look, it's, it, it, it should have been there already. But that, that expression, God willing, 
really either on my lips or certainly at the front of my mind being far more prominent in how I, our strat- I strategize. I make this strategy, strategy, but always God willing that this might be the case um, because, uh, as James says, we don't know what tomorrow holds. In a practical sense, what I can hear you say here is that, of course, you're going to have a strategy for how your business operates, for how you expand, for how you even consolidate uh, what may be even crumbling around you right now. But this flexibility is important. And I guess the practical aspect there is in that fifth point that you mentioned as a Christian principle to apply in being prayerful. And that might be a very simple prayer, but it leaves open, doesn't it, the strategic plan that you might have for business, uh, open to how God might even direct you in a way that you ought to go. And sometimes this idea of leaving our faith at the door when we leave church on Sunday or leave the living room as it might be right now and uh, and work is different to church and uh, somehow or other God's not so important in the workplace, this may be one of those opportunities to be able to bring God into the uh, workplace as you emerge from hibernation, the sort of new leaf you turn over. What are your thoughts here for just how dynamic that can be for how business might look if you do include God in your business? Oh, look, you know, uh, it would be a it would be a radical change, I think, uh, if we were to 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 really uh, deeply uh, be prayerful about all of the things that we put our hands to each day, uh, whatever work it is that we might do, paid or unpaid, um, and and that is a principle that is that is true in in all seasons of life, but perhaps especially now as we have been uh, so starkly reminded of how out of control we really are of the future that has perhaps uh, driven us to our knees um, literally or metaphorically more so in this season and and being more prayerful uh, about all of life including our our work life and so I would hope that, that both for me but for, for, for everyone listening that uh, that our prayerfulness might uh, increase. Uh, as a result of this uh, this season, with regard to our work, uh, I mean, one of the things um, that 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 I, I I used to do when I commuted to work, and which haven't done for a, for a few months now, was um, was to try and uh, start the day with prayer about my my work for the day, and just uh, bring before God the the different meetings that I had ahead. Uh, the things that were troubling me or concerning me, uh, the things I was excited about doing that day, and just uh, offering each one of them up to him in prayer. Um, I I confess that uh, so often I would spend far more time worrying about them or thinking about them or scheming about them in my own mind without also adding in um, what should have been the first point, which is, which is prayerfulness, but but we need that um, perhaps now more than ever because of the uncertainty. We need that wisdom and we need his guiding. Interesting to bring prayer into your workplace, uh, whether you are the boss or the employee, uh, we're obviously going to be saying that's a good thing. Uh, some people find it a little bit more difficult to be convinced of that because, and let me just take this a little deeper here and I'll get your insights, Andrew, Because as a Christian in business, you recognize that you are operating in business in the same increasingly dog-eat-dog world of business. 
and your competitors may be operating on a different level of ethics than what you realise is a sound Christian foundation for your ethics. So if you bring prayer into the strategy for your work, if you bring prayer into the way you might start your workday, you are bound to be changing some of the ways that you do business. And this might be part of what it is to turn over a new leaf here too. But I know that there'd be some who are thinking, in order to be successful in business, I've got to do business the way the rest of the world does business. And they're not operating on the same Christian ethics that you guys are talking about on the radio. What sort of things Mm. can you contribute to that sort of idea? Yeah, look, you're, well, you're right. Uh, reaffirm what you said just there in terms of prayerfulness. I mean, again, James says, ask for wisdom and God will grant it. And so in, in some of those ethical, challenging situations where our ethics uh, as Christians come up uh, uh, against the, the ethics of our organization or those we might be doing business with, uh, yeah, the, the, the first thing we need to do is pray. <laughs> we need to pray and ask for that wisdom. And God says he will grant it. And so we do that. A second thing that I think is really important as well, too, is to actually be bringing those um, ethical challenges um, into conversation with our brothers and sisters in Christ and seeking their wisdom as well, too. Um, it, it, it's foolish and, and, and even arrogant to think that, you know, I possess all wisdom that there is to be held on this, uh, on this issue and, and seek to resolve it for ourselves. Now, I, I, one thing I'm always wanting to encourage is, is, is invite your brothers and sisters in Christ into, the, into this issue with you. Um, even if they're in a different workplace, get, seek their wisdom and, uh, and, and seek their guidance on, on, on what should I do in this context? How have perhaps you handled it in the past when you've had a similar thing? And who knows, it, 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 that, that may provide a very quick and satisfactory response. But the other thing I, I, I'd add as well is that, is that um, and this relates to something I said before about, um, about service and God honouring our service, um, even if it is costly to ourselves. Um, at the end of the day, um, God as judge, and, um, uh, and of course we stand before him as judge, knowing the, the grace and, and the forgiveness uh, that, that is ours in Christ. But, but nevertheless, uh, he is the one that we are ultimately accountable before. And, and so I think we need to have that um, big and that eternal um, picture in mind as we potentially do things that are costly for ourselves and for our business, but they're the right thing to do and, and they, and they honour him. Um, but, but, but also, uh, I think we've also got to have that long view in mind as well too, that, that often God, in his wisdom, has, has set up his world to work in a way that when we do work in a way that, that honours him and, uh, and is obedient to him, that, that, that in the short term we might be impacted uh, in a costly way. But in the, in the longer run, people respect businesses that, uh, that act with uh, integrity and, and honesty. And in the long run, we might be rewarded for for uh, our ethical behaviour, we may not, and there's no promise or guarantee of that. Um, but but we may well be actually honoured and rewarded uh, in the long run by our by our ethical behaviour too. 
No doubt. Godly nation building starts with godly business building, and uh, that starts with building the integrity in the heart of the business owner, the business leader, and even the employees in what would be a Christian business. Hey, let's come back to some practical but really important realities here. Andrew, Mm. returning to work, uh, we've got expectations that employers will have policies in place that will protect workers and uh, those sorts of issues around hygiene and distancing and uh, hot desks that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Is there possibilities, do you think, of legal action where employers fail in their duty of care to protect workers? Supposing there's a second or third wave of COVID-19 and the boss has been negligent in protecting workers. What are your thoughts here for uh, the Christian in the workplace, whether you're the boss or the employee, around how you might uh, be preparing for return to work and those practical responsibilities you might have for everybody's safety and well-being? Mm, yeah, well, look, it's certainly possible, Neil. Uh, yeah, uh, although as I, I'll, I'll caveat that with uh, who knows what tomorrow brings. But, um, but, but uh, yes, I mean, that, that, that's certainly possible. The sense that I get, uh, and it's more anecdotal, um, is, that, is that a lot of businesses and a lot of workplaces are taking this very seriously. And they don't want to be the workplace that is the source of a of a of a COVID nineteen outbreak. So I get the I get the sense that many that many are um, taking this seriously and uh, and working very very hard to do what they can to protect their employees. Of course, if you're a if you're a Christian who is responsible for for staff, um, whether that's a, a handful or hundreds or thousands. Then, um, then really, there's a there's a strong encouragement upon you to um, be doing all that you can to care for and protect uh, your employees during during this season. Not just because of the potential legal implications if you don't, um, but also because ultimately that's the right thing to do. Um, so there's that encouragement for the for the employee uh, employer, um, but for the employee, I mean. Y- y- if you notice things that, um, that that could be done better, that aren't being done, where, where there's negligence, uh, I think the first point of call for the Christian person is to is to speak up there. Uh, again, not just to try and avoid legal uh, ramifications and implications, but because you love and care for your colleagues and uh, and you want to see them protected, and so and so don't wait for someone else to. Uh, to do it, but, um, but but go forward and say, hey, look, here's, here's a thought I've had, or here's something we're not doing that we could be or should be doing. So the regulations there to protect, let me take this to another level now, because mm-hmm. there is some significant issue here, and I'll get your thoughts on a Christian attitude here, tensions between employers and employees around working conditions. Uh, it would be, uh, you know, remiss to miss the idea that there are a lot of people right now who've had to take a pay cut, uh, rightly mm. or wrongly, and uh, some working conditions might not look the same as before in the new normal. Is there a Christian attitude to being content with what's been served up to you? Or is there the Christian attitude of fighting for better working conditions, as was the case uh, in the formation of many trade union movements. The idea that Christians are fighting for fair, that was what happened back then. Things change a little bit today with uh, some of the modern trade union movement, but 
this idea of fighting for better working conditions. What do you do? Do you sit back and be content or do you fight for better conditions? Yeah, look, I think it's a both and on that, Neil, isn't it? Look at our... Uh, and in our hearts, there should be, a, I guess, an attitude of, of, of contentment, at least, if things aren't uh, the way they should be. Um, uh, maybe not contentment so much, but, uh, but a recognition of that, that that's just a reality in a fallen and broken world, um, that there will always be things in the workplace that aren't as they should be. And so there's a sense in which we should uh, almost expect that to be the case and, um, and um, be accepting of that to a degree. And I say it's a both and because, because then also there is the, the, the Christian imperative to, to pursue justice and, and seek things being done rightly and fairly. Um, uh, but but we should, I think, be driven ultimately um, in that instance by seeking justice and fairness uh, for others, not just purely ourselves. Um, people see very quickly if this if this person is just self serving, um, but but they see the difference when they say there's an injustice here, and I'm going to speak up um, on this. Um, not just for my own sake, but for the sake of all who are being treated unfairly and unjustly because of this. And, and we live in a wonderful country where we do have systems, uh, many workplaces have systems and HR and so on, where we can, where we can actually legitimately uh, have channels for pursuing these things, the, the union movement as well as you say, uh, all, all of these things where we, we're, in a, we're in a privileged position where we can, I think, appropriately uh, use these things, but all, always with the attitude of I'm, I'm pursuing justice, not just personally for myself because I want to get what's coming to me and what I deserve, um, but I'm pursuing justice for the sake of, for the sake of others. Andrew, uh, how we carry ourselves as Christian believers into the new normal, whether you are the boss, the business owner, whether you are the employee, whether you are the customer even, uh, we've touched on a lot of good things there and we haven't given ourselves enough time to really unpack the return to church post-COVID-19. But I might say that a lot of the things we've been talking about uh, in the return to work are a little bit applied in the similar sort of a way to how we return to church because churches have a major responsibility, don't they, to be able to care for the people who are a part of the church, a little bit like customers, although we wouldn't like to think of ourselves as that because uh, worship is coming to worship God in a place of worship, but somebody's in charge of actually all the routines and the uh, the social distancing and the, the hygiene issues that are associated with that. Any thoughts here just, uh, just briefly? We might have to save another conversation for another day, but what are your thoughts here? The return to church. Church leaders have a big responsibility here. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, you don't necessarily want to use the words employer and employees or customers, as you say, just there. But but a lot of what we said, have said, I think, um, translates very much to a to a church based setting as well, too. And you're right. The 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 people in leadership uh, in the church uh, need to be uh, adhering to to the wisdom that we, we're getting from governments and, and even, indeed the guidelines that we're getting from governments about how we 
how we care for one another as we seek to to resume uh, physically gathering back together. I know uh, I'm part of the Anglican Diocese in, in Melbourne and they've produced a um, compliance document for churches, a, quite a lengthy compliance document, so that um, this is what you need to do if you want to be getting people gathering back together um, of a Sunday for worship. And, uh, and I think it's important for churches and church leaders to, to take that seriously, uh, not just because, of, again, the compliance issues and the, and the, uh, the legal uh, implications, but again, driven by that heart for, of love for, for others and seeking to care for the people uh, in your congregations and love them by serving them in this way, even though, again, it's probably costly, probably a little frustrating and annoying, some of the things that need to be done. But but nevertheless, um, doing them out of this attitude of, of, of love and uh, and care for, for those people who really, for the church leader, uh, God has uh, entrusted to you as to be a, a shepherd of them, uh, with him as the chief shepherd. And this is part of your what it looks like for you to, shepherd them in this season. And a recognition there that your pastor or your priest is doing a whole lot more behind the scenes than simply yeah. doing a Bible study to deliver a sermon on a Sunday. And uh, honour to those church leaders who are going to be going through all of the challenging things that will get churches back worshipping. And uh, I know there's some division as to uh, how that can happen, should happen, will happen. And uh, we'll just need to wait and perhaps be a little patient there uh, and, and moving at the right time. Hey, we've run out of time. Just quickly, the Facebook question I asked, do you think your workplace after the COVID-19 crisis will look the same as before? Uh, The numbers as they've come down, 30% say yes and 70% say no. So there is an expectation. Things will be different. And the encouragement in this hour's conversation is to how as salt and light as a Christian believer, you might influence the way your workplace looks in the new normal. There was uh, some responses there on Facebook, and we didn't really get a chance to, uh, to, uh, to go through some of those. Robert said, can I say yes and no? There'll be elements which will be the same, and other elements clearly will be different. Ashley says... New strategies have been developed for service delivery, which will continue after the old normal is back. Uh, Interesting comments. And let me just say, Andrew Laird, City Bible Forum. There are City Bible Forums all around Australia in the capital cities. And uh, my encouragement is to, if you work in a CBD, as you get back to the new normal, connect with City Bible Forum. They do some fabulous work. Andrew Laird is National Manager of Life at Work. The website there, lifeatwork.org.au. City Bible Forum website is citybibleforum.org. Andrew, just great getting your insights. And uh, what a tremendous lot of great insight that we were able to to connect with today. Thank you so much for being with us on 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 